I'm Kate Daniels. To help us launch into Women's History Month, I'm honored to have Barbara Fagan joining us. As a toddler, Barbara and her parents escaped Nazi Germany by way of Russia and Japan to land in Seattle. In her book, My American Dream, A Journey from Fascism to Freedom, Barbara provides a lens of her family's life in the U.S. and her dreams evolving and taking her to executive heights in the advertising business beginning in the 1960s. Barbara joins us to share some of that journey. Barbara Fagan, good morning. Thank you so greatly for joining us once again. Well, Kate, it's just a a pleasure to be back with you. And we just want to mention that, of course, we had what we'll call chapter one of a conversation, your early uh, uh, life years, um, earlier this year in January, where we spoke more of your uh, parents' escape from Germany during the time of uh, the rise of the Nazis and World War II. uh, In your book, My American Dream, A Journey from Fascism to Freedom. And so that was so enlightening for anyone who wants to hear that. You know, they can go back to the archives, to the podcast of early January. But today, I think it's important uh, as we look at at this month of March and Women's History Month to give attention to then your journey after college and what you have done with your life. I mean, you have really uh, built roads, built inroads for women with what you did at the time when women were not really seen in the business world. Well, that's certainly true. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what's amazing to read of how you share this. And that's why I really encourage people to pick up a copy of My American Dream to read your words of what it was like to be the only woman in the room, to be a woman who's pregnant and saying, I need this time off and I'm coming back to work. I mean, that was really groundbreaking. Yes, yes, it was. It was was quite amazing. It was quite amazing. It was an era when, when, speaking of the pregnancy, was an era when uh, many times women got fired when they began to to show their pregnancy. And, um, you know, I'd gone to business school and I planned to have a career and I certainly did not plan to get fired. Um, But I wanted to have a maternity leave. And um, I don't know, maybe we'll get to that a little later, but, uh, you know, I, I was working for an advertising agency at that point, a very major, well-regarded, prominent advertising agency. And um, I'd been there a couple of years. I'd gotten very good feedback about my performance. Uh, And I was married and I was pregnant. And, you know, I began to show a little bit. And I thought, well, I better go and talk with my boss about this and tell him what my plan is. And so I made an appointment and went in to see him. And... um, his name was Val. I said, Val, I've got great news. I want to tell you that I'm pregnant. And he said, oh, Barbara, that's fabulous. I'm, I'm so happy for you and Jim, my, my husband. Uh, and then I said, and I want, I want you to understand what my plan is. I plan to work until the baby is born, take a few weeks off, and then come back. And his face just fell, and his shoulders dropped, and he just sort of stopped. And he said, oh, no, oh, no, we don't do that. And I said, well, you don't do what? We don't have maternity leave. And I said, but now this is my plan. And I repeated what I wanted to do. And he said, well, I, I really can't help you with that. 
I have to go to the higher-ups. And I said, oh, thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) I think I kind of took him by surprise. And he did. He went to bat for me. He went to the, quote, higher-ups. And he came back a few days later, and he said, Barbara, you have it. I have what? You have a maternity leave. And I said, oh, that's fantastic. He said, but I have to tell you, right away he said this, um, we won't pay you while you're out, and we can't promise you that you're going to have the same job when you get back, but you do have a maternity leave. So I was thrilled. I mean, that was a very big deal in those days, and I was thrilled first of all, for myself, and then secondly, I, I recognized that this was this was something that was going to really set the pathway for all the other women who came behind me, and I was very grateful that I was able to do that. That was a big, big thing. Oh, it was huge. It was momentous that that yeah. happened, and the thing that I, I take from that, too, is how you were assertive, just very firm in saying it. You uh, you were just strong and very focused on what you expected to do and what you expected the company to do on their part for you. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I, I certainly tried, and I had no idea how it would go. You know, I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, but I, I really always appreciated my boss for going to bat for me. And many, many years later, this is kind of funny, I, I was being honored. I, I was being given some award at a luncheon, and he was at the luncheon. And, um, you know, I, I thanked him. You know, I thanked the various people who had helped me along my way. And I said, you know, one of the things that Val had helped me with was going to bat for me to get the first ever maternity leave at this agency. And he came up to me after the lunch, and he said, you know, I have no memory of that whatsoever. And I said, you know, this was such an important milestone in my life and in the life of this agency and all the women who came after me. And he didn't even remember it, you know, so um, just a sort of funny sidebar. It is, but it's also astounding, and and perhaps it takes women to appreciate that, uh, that, you know, men obviously just discount as, oh, that was just another thing in a day, but mm-hmm. it, it was mm-hmm. momentous. It was momentous. It was momentous. Yes. yes. Now, in in the process of this, so that, that I feel is really significant, but your role in in the business world, because... Yes, you were a first, the first woman to sit on boards, the first woman to be in these advertising agencies, and you were really, again, carving a path. But did you feel that that's what you were doing, or were you just following what you knew instinctively was your path? <laughs> what a good question. Um, I, I uh, Well, I spent a number of years in the, in the agency that we were just talking about, and then I began to hear about this agency called Gray Advertising, G-R-E-Y, Gray Advertising. And they seemed to be getting all this wonderful publicity about the fact that they, their business was just thriving. They were, they were reeling in one new account after another, very prestigious, prominent accounts with, with big budgets. And I thought, gee, I, I wonder what's going on over there. I wonder what their, their secret sauce is. So I, I began to go to a few conferences, and I heard some of the senior executives at Gray speak about what their process was and what their approach was. 
And, you know, in, in those days, um, most advertising budgets were spent on consumer packaged goods, which were bought principally by women. Uh, and it was interesting because most of the advertising was made by men. It was it was sort of uh, created from the gut, I would say, you know, gut hunches and gut ideas, a bunch of people sitting in a room brainstorming. And, um, you know, then there was research, but the research was basically about did ad A do better than ad B in being remembered and communicating its message in uh, being liked, et cetera. And when I heard what Gray was doing, they kind of turned this whole process, the paradigm, on its ear. They said, let us focus on what happens up front, the strategies we need to develop for creating the advertising that's going to help build brands, build business, move merchandise, build companies, bottom line. And what that meant was that they were pioneers in developing something very new in those days, innovative consumer attitude research, dealing not only with what consumers' demographic characteristics were, what their behavior was like, but what were their wants and needs? What were their hopes and dreams and their their worries and concerns? And they did this using large-scale consumer research. So there would be a database from which these strategies could be developed. And out of these strategies then, those drove the development of advertising that were that was on point. It was it was directed to the consumers who were most likely to want to buy the brands. It was against the appropriate competition. It was focused on the right messages. It created the right emotional connections, told the right stories. I thought, oh my gosh, I want to do that. I want to be involved in that business because here was an agency that was using the kind of work that I did in a way that was really part of the lifeblood of the agency, part of what made that agency tick. So I tried to get a job there, and I, I poked around, and I finally was got an interview, uh, and I was turned down for the job. And this very nice woman who interviewed me, her name was Betty Coombe, and she said to me, you know, Barbara, I really like you, and I think you really could do well here but you don't have quite the right experience. What I think you need to do is go out for a year and get the right experience, and she explained to me what that was, and then come back in a year, and if you have that experience under your belt, I'll hire you. So I was very lucky. Uh, a colleague of mine was uh, leaving our agency and going to start a new job doing exactly this kind of thing, and he wanted me to come and be his assistant. So I did that. I, I resigned from the agency where I was working, and I went to work for him. And I really did not like working with <laughs> in this new place. Uh, but I knew I had to stick it out for a year because I had to be able to go back to Gray and say, look, I've spent a year getting the kind of experience you wanted me to. I'm here. And I did that. And she said, you're hired. And that really started my career at Gray, which was a a 30-year career. My first job, my, my first office was uh, this tiny little office next to the broom closet. And <laughs> over the years, I worked my way up. Um, you know, I think, I think 
It wasn't a, it wasn't a straight line. It wasn't a meteoric rise. I worked very, very hard. Uh, I did well. I, I, I made contributions that, that were recognized in the agency. You know, I, I helped our clients, um, really using strategic research, build strategies that would help build their brands and did help build their brands, help move their merchandise, help them really build their bottom line. And that was recognized. Our, our agency was a meritocracy, which was wonderful. Uh, you know, so, this, quote, despite the fact that I was a woman, <laughs> I was able to, to work my way up. And um, eventually, uh, over the course of the years, you know, I became a vice president. Then I became the first ever woman senior vice president. And, and interestingly, when I became a senior vice president, uh, Gray made an announcement in the in the press. You know, it was in the New York Times and it was in the Wall Street Journal, and the Wall Street Journal sent me a uh, a plaque, which was sort of an etching of the announcement that they'd made of my promotion. And the plaque had their slogan, the Wall Street Journal slogan, that said, "Everywhere the men who keep getting ahead in business read the Wall Street Journal." And right alongside that was my promotion announcement, Barbara Fagan. <laughs> so there you are. I mean, that, that was the way it was in, in that day. Right. But, um, you know, eventually I became an executive vice president, Gray, uh, and, and in charge of worldwide strategic services, working with our clients really all over the world. And many of our clients, Parker & Gamble, Mars, 3M, et cetera, they were interested in, in developing global approaches to advertising and uh, consumer attitude research of the, the sort that we were doing. And we were kind of alone in doing that sort of research. Today, it's, it's very popular, but in those days, you know, we were, we were kind of the only people, the only agency doing that. Uh, and that really formed the foundation for global advertising campaigns for, for everybody from Revlon to Mars to 3M, I mean, you name it. And uh, that, that was a very, very big deal. So I was involved in all of that. I was involved very, very closely in helping Gray build its portfolio of accounts. You know, that was a very important thing. And once again, our process and our special consumer attitude tools and techniques were important. Over the years, I, I developed something of a reputation as, as an authority on the American consumer, really based on the fact that we'd done all this, this um, research. It was not just a title. It was, it was based on facts. And didn't one of your sons actually kind of chuckle about how you were this nationally recognized authority? Yes. He said, how did this little German-speaking refugee girl become an authority on the American consumer? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes, my son Michael, he laughed about that. And, and rightly so, because of, you know, just, you know, that whole trajectory, the journey that 
that happened. But, you know, there's the, the, the truth and the proof there of what can happen when there is dedication and perseverance and belief in self, even though you share quite honestly when you have trepidation. But really, um, what I find with this is just your your strength, your integrity. I, I feel the integrity um, in, in your pa- along your path has been so critical to your success. Oh, well, thank you. I, I will say that, you know, just sort of in retrospect, kind of reflecting on the past, I do think it's really, really important to bring something of value to the table. You know, and this is particularly important for women, I think. Uh, you know, and, and for me, something of value was being an authority on the American consumer and having the fact base to to prove it. You know, it was not just, as I say, a bunch of words. It was based on much, much, much actual consumer research. And I think, you know, that was a very, very important thing to bring to the table. I mean, it was it was Gray's competitive edge when it, you know, was trying to compete against other agencies to build its own own portfolio. But it was something very important for me that, you know, it was understood that this is this is what I bring. Um, right. And, you know, one other piece of what you shared, and you share in the book, of course, too, is when you first go to Gray to apply because you see that that's where you would like to be, when Betty Coombs says cool. to you, Combe, says to you, you know, get some experience and come back. This kind of support and encouragement, a, a kind of collaboration to help one another, I think is is so important and key here, too. Oh, Kate, you are so right. She was so important to my my whole career development. You know, she she bent over backwards to tell me what to do, give me very specific uh, directions and instructions, and and said to me, if you do all this, you come back here and you'll have a job here. I'll hire you. And she did it. She came through for me, just as she said she would. She became a, a, a good friend over the years. You know, we worked together for many years after that. But that you're so right. That's so important. Mentoring is important. Being, being you know, supportive. Yes. Uh, of, of women in particular, but certainly of men as well. Yes, to to share our our um, knowledge, to share and support each other moving along, because uh, in that way, we we only really help ourselves ultimately. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. You're right. Yes. You're right. And you know, uh, not. A small part of all of this, as you proceeded along, you uh, sat on boards of directors, which, again, was a major first for a woman. And these were uh, on the New York Stock Exchange, major corporations. Right, right. Oh, and, and when, I, when I was first named a director of a New York Stock Exchange company, and I went to my first meeting, it was clear to me that the male directors had no idea what to do with me. <laughs> you know, they, they sort of thought I was, quote, the woman. And uh, they all talked among themselves. And, and um, you know, I recognized that I needed to keep raising my voice, you know, and, and raising my voice until finally they listened. And 
once they listened, they understood that I did have something to contribute. And after that, I became one of the board, you know, Mm -hmm. not just the woman. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I think it's very important, especially for women, uh, raise your voice and make sure your voice is heard. Uh, It's really, really important. And you literally had to do that to raise, you know, to because uh, otherwise they were drowning you out. Well, they spoke over me. They Mm. talked among themselves. They didn't pay any attention to me. Uh, You know, they they really had no idea what to do with me. Um, They they thought I was there because I was a woman. Right. Oh, so this was an amazing career. And again, I encourage women in particular, but men too, because this story is so gripping. My American Dream, A Journey from Fascism to Freedom, to really get the... Uh, an inside look as to what it takes, but just the, I feel you have, along with the integrity, humility, and just this real feeling of, well, here it is. Um, you know, women feel like they, they, they need to, or they can do it all. And you show how you did do that, being married, having a family, three sons, and, and they're wonderful young men. And, and also during the course of this, your husband becomes uh, quite ill and you become a caregiver. You manage to do that and continue with your career moving onward and upward. Well, I, I, I should say to you, you know, I, I met my husband. We met when we were both at the business school. So, you know, he, he always knew that I wanted to have a career. I planned to have a career. And we really were very, very strong partners. And we really agreed that we had two key priorities in our lives. One was that we wanted to build a strong family, very close-knit family. We really cared deeply about, about that. And the other was that we wanted to be successful in our careers. But we realized there were a lot of things that we would not be able to do, sacrifices that we'd have to make. Uh, because those were the two things that were going to take our time and our our bandwidth, so to speak, our energy. Uh, and, you know, I, I think both of us felt very strongly that we had made the right decision. Uh, but, you know, when, when you talk about having it all, that's what we had, and that was what was important to us. So you're right, though. My husband, uh, who was a very successful business executive as well, had a very serious stroke when he was 54 years old in the prime of his life. It was just terrible. It was just a a, a terrible, terrible, shattering experience, not just for him, but for our whole family. It was just terrible. Fortunately, he didn't lose his mental faculties and he didn't lose his speech, but his right side was pretty severely paralyzed and his balance was not good. And he was just never able to work again. So I became the, the breadwinner for the family, much as my mother had done. And my father could no longer work in, in Germany. And that was fine. Uh, you know, I, I was fortunate in that I was able to do that. But it, it, was, it was just a very traumatic, very difficult time. Mm. And my focus, uh, you know, was trying to figure out 
oh, for this man who'd been so energetic and lively and, and uh, just loved life, gregarious, all of a sudden his world was shattered and his world literally was, was so much smaller than it had ever been. How could I help him sort of get a better sense of himself in this awful circumstance and, and um, you know, just sort of go on as best he could? And, um, you know, this was a time when, when family was everything. Uh, we really, really all supported Jim. My three sons, Michael, Peter, and Daniel, really all adored Jim, my husband, and, and were very supportive to him, saw him a lot, came to visit him. Uh, they all loved to laugh, and the, the boys were always able to make him laugh, which I loved. I loved to hear, I loved to hear the sound of my husband's laugh. He had a great laugh. Uh, and, and we supported one another. And we, again, just tried to move forward as best we could. Uh, you know, it was stressful, it was challenging, it was difficult, but we just tried to go ahead. And you talked about my working at the same time. Uh, that was really something very, very good for me. I was very happy that I had my work because, I, first of all, I was working with people with whom I'd worked for a long time, and, you know, we... We all got along very well and worked very well together, and they were very supportive of me. But here I was in a circumstance where I was dealing with problems that we could solve together. Whereas at home, my problem was such that, you know, it wasn't really solvable. Uh, we could adjust, but we couldn't solve. So, yes, I mean, here we were in this whole different world, very, very challenging. But we moved along as best we could. Yes. And this is something that happens. Uh, your chapter has to do, about that has to do with your charmed life all of a sudden being no more. And life, that's life. Your parents encountered that, of course, when they had to leave Germany and, and right. trek across, you know, ha what, three quarters of the world, your dad said, I think it was. Um, three quarters of the way around the world into the unknown. Yes. And yeah. and you landed in Washington State, so there is that connection, and you and you still hold a connection because I know as this book ha came out that uh, you returned to your uh, town of Chehalis and met with the with the residents there and were at this high school. So there, you still have a deep connection, and also uh, with with uh, Whitworth College, Whitman. Whitman, Whitman, yes, a very deep connection with Whitman. Jim and I were able very happily to uh, endow a scholarship and an internship at Whitman for refugees and immigrants like me uh, or children of refugees and immigrants. Uh, and we were, we were very happy to be able to do that. That was very good. And then I was a trustee at Whitman for many years, just recently became a trustee emeritus. Uh, but um I have I have deep feelings for Whitman and uh you know it's it's important as sort of an important transitional time in my life. Well, it's been an 
incredible life. So much has gone on. And um, you, you shared with us in our, our first conversation early in January how you wrote this book so that your sons and their families, your grandchildren, would know about some of this history. And and in doing so, we get to share the history. And I think we only become so much uh, stronger, wiser for hearing the stories of those around us and, and what people encounter, such as yourself, the, the journeys and, and what to do to persevere and to reach the accomplishments you set out for yourself. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, well, thank you. And so the book, My American Dream, of course, is available through all of our favorite book sources. Correct, Barbara? And online, yes. Excellent. And, and you're... also, if, if people are interested in learning more, they can go to my website, Kate. Yes. BarbaraFagan.com. And Fagan is spelled? F-E-I-G-I-N. Yes, an important website to to refer to and and to see uh, some of the um, media events that have gone on, but certainly to find out more about the book. And honestly, um, especially during Women's History Month, to know what you had done in your life and continue to do because uh, you you are not sitting idly by. Now you're this published author. Uh, who knows what comes next? <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. Yes, it's very exciting. Yes, <laughs> really exciting. Something something I'd never actually dreamed of doing, you know. So it's it's uh, you know, sort of my my mantra, as you know, is dream big, work hard, and never quit. And this is another big dream that is sort of coming to fruition, which is very exciting. Isn't that wonderful? And with all of the presentations you'd made over the years, over the decades, of course, having these events to speak about the book is just so natural and to, you know, potentially, hopefully, be really encouraging and causing others to dream big, too. Thank you. Oh, I hope so. I hope so, too. Well, this has truly been such a delight. I've so enjoyed our conversations, Barbara. I appreciate that you've written My American Dream, and thank you for spending time with us again. Oh, well, Kate, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much. You're so welcome.